0: Recovery in color podcast discusses adult topics including but not limited to addiction, depression, alcoholism, suicide, death, and other intense discussions that some may find triggering and or upsetting and is not intended for children or really workspaces. The conversations in this podcast are a reflection of my personal experience and perspective on those personal experiences and are not to be taken as any form of counseling or advice. I'm not a therapist or psychiatrist or a life coach and do not have any formal training. These are opinions built on personal experiences and should be treated as such. The names have been changed in some cases to respect the anonymity of the parties involved. With that being said, enjoy the show. Just let me be. I need to breathe. Give me peace, although this changed me. Sway and see Just wait and. See. All right. And we made it back. Welcome back to Recovery and Color Podcast. I'm your host, but you know me, and I'm gonna get right into it. So I was thinking at my work today about, you know, what to talk about in the next episode, as I often do. And you know what I was thinking about with all we've talked about in the last couple of episodes, I feel like I owe some honesty to this recounting of my life. And, you know, we talked about what happens when I, as a child lost control in my life, and it manifested in weird ways, like hiding peanut butter and powdered sugar in my closet. Um, because in my life, I had lost control. It wasn't just the loss of control, in the sense that my parent had died suddenly and violently in a horrible car accident. After that happened, we moved across the country. In with my grandmother, as I mentioned in the other episode. And so we did this huge trek from one place to another. And it wasn't like one move and done, it was several moves back and forth. And I didn't get to bring my cat with me. And so lots of lack of control. Not only had we moved across the country, but I had a parent who was in mourning and also had to work. She couldn't, she wasn't allowed the time to like, You know, America and our great system doesn't have a a widower's grace period where you get to take some time off from work to emotionally and mentally heal. She was a bartender and a waitress and had to like work on that broken foot. And you know, what happens when something doesn't feel right inside a child, but they can't really articulate it. These were big things that my family was going through. They weren't little thing. It wasn't just a move. It wasn't just a loss. It wasn't, it was all of the things all at once. And before I went to the school where I had the, what table should I sit at incident, um, I went to a school before that. And this school was big. It was bigger. It had a lot of students. I remember it seemed so beyond me. I felt so small I did have, like, I could only tell you the good memory that happened. And I remember we were in PE class and there were another group of girls that were, like, we were friends. We seemed to get along good. And these seemed to be well-adjusted, smart girls. This was clearly the better school. Um And me and one of the girls had a very similar name, so similar in fact that she started calling herself Kina so that we wouldn't get mixed up. And she stayed a friend of mine all the way through high school when we finally all joined together again. But I met them in grade school previous to the grade school I ended up staying at long term, which was the school where I traded the boys' table for a new set of girls' table air bunnies that you can't see because this is not a visual medium. And I remember in this big school with all these kids who all seemed, I don't know, happy and smart and busy and together, I... getting off the bus, remember freezing at one point and kids just kind of did what kids do. They pushed past me and they shoved past me. I ended up falling at one point and, you know, no one stopped to ask if I was okay. I just kind of had to get up. I think one kid actually like kind of snickered at me because some girl had just froze up on the bus to the point where instead of just moving forward, she got knocked over and kids did what they do and something didn't feel right everyone here was had friends already and i was in this new environment and nothing felt good it felt bad to me and i remember at one point in my class there was a student leaving the class and i remember specifically they were in a wheelchair And they were, they were leaving and, you know, the students were all hugging them and saying how great a friend they were and how much they'd miss them and they didn't want them to go. And of course, at the time, as a younger kid, I didn't realize that adults tell you to do all these things. You're supposed to do that when someone leaves. It's very um, expected response. But in my head, what I saw was this person being praised and getting positive attention and they had so many friends and everyone was so sad that they were leaving and i remember thinking man i i want that how do i get that how do i get that kind of validation in my world and honestly that's all i remember about that school because i went home to my mom who was in crisis, in emotional and mental crisis because she was a newly widowed parent who had to work full time for these two children. I have a brother, by the way. And uh, I went home and my mom asked how my day was. And I did the only thing I knew how to do, which is I told her only the bad things that stuck out. I had a bad feeling. So I told her kids pushed me on the bus and they were mean to me because something felt wrong and maybe it was, maybe it was my environment. Maybe if I left, then people would be nice to me or maybe my mom could do something. I don't know what I was expecting, but what happened was I, she took her daughter out of that school. Sorry about the paper sound, if you can hear that, Um, which is very reasonable response of trying to protect your child. she, she pulled me out of that school and put me into the school that I ended up staying in. And this was probably the first, I don't know if you can call it like a flat out lie, but the first time I articulated information incorrectly and it resulted I mean, it resulted in, it affected change, things happened because of it. My mom did the best she could by pulling me out and putting me in a different school. How horrifying my daughter's being bullied. And because of that situation, I ended up, I would spend the next eight years in a school where I was going to be actively bullied. And it was by far one of the most I think, like the most, it seems like the smallest things we say sometimes can have the biggest effects on our life later. And like looking back, twenty twenty vision and all that, meh, meh, meh. You look back later, and you're like, oh well, that was. Could have done a million things to avoid that. But here's the thing, you know, I don't think I could, because I was in the middle of an emotional situation that I could not describe to people. And it was weird. They, when I got into the next school, I remember I had a mandatory, I guess, counselor and you know, they had me make this box and put memories of my dad in the box so that I could put away the, the grief. And put it inside a box. And then I would be all better. You're healed. Fine. Except I still felt bad. And I remember the same day that this counselor had me build the box. We were supposed to run the mile. And you know they line up. They line up the kids. And we all run in a pack in a big circle until you've you've ran a mile. And they time how long it takes you to run. And you know... What I learned right away is that um wasn't good at it, wasn't an active kid, was a real slow runner to the point where the other kids were done with the mile and I was still running. And there was a lot of come on, hurry up, was taking so long, just run faster. And I just decided I wasn't going to do it, very much to the disdain of my phys ed counselor. And I just decided I wasn't going to do it. And my, my phys ed counselor, my phys ed teacher, and they, they demanded answers. Why aren't you going to do it? Why do you think you don't have to do this? You have to run this mile or you're going to fail class. And then I don't know, your life will be over, I guess. And I remember I just came out with the best way to get people to leave me alone. And I said, I was sad about my dad. Sad about my dad. And further to that effect, when they're like, oh, that's too bad, but you still have to do it, I started to say, you know what? I'm having flashbacks. I'm having nightmares about my dad. I can see it. And really, what I was trying to articulate was I was developing a trauma response to losing a parent in a car accident. I thought about it a lot on an obsessive level. I think I wrote a poem we were all supposed to write a pretty poem and I wrote a poem called, um, a murderer called black ice. And it was, it was about how black ice kills more drivers than we think. And one of the drivers was my dad and I got up and I read it in front of the whole class and teachers were notably upset. And I remember my counselor, asking me if like, well, did you see him in the funeral? Was it an open casket? And I said, no, but I can see it in my head. I can see as if I was there. She went, well, were you there? And I said, well, no. And every time it wasn't like, it wasn't like the catastrophe was big enough to get people to understand how badly I was feeling. And so eventually I started telling them that I was, I just let the adults go with the most upsetting thing. And then I agreed with that. And this started a long line of problems in my world. Because one of the things I didn't realize I was doing and I didn't understand what was happening was I would tell the teachers this so that I didn't have to cry in math class or be humiliated in phys ed. And then the teachers would turn around and tell my mom how I was having flashbacks and trauma and my poor mother who did have to go and identify her husband. Cause that's something they have you do when you know someone who's passed away, someone has to identify the person who's passed. So my mother who did have to do that did have to suffer through flashbacks. while these therapists had conversations on how she could do better Untraumatizing her daughter in a situation she had no control over because she couldn't control what I was saying while I was at school. And I was saying whatever I could say to get teachers to leave me the hell alone because I was bad at everything, it seemed like. I was bad at math. I was bad at spelling, spelling. I was bad at phys ed. I was bad at making friends. I was bad at reading people and if they were teasing me or if this was just normal kid banter, I felt like I was bad at everything. And so the only thing that adults seemed to understand was you had to have a big enough story to get them to stop trying to just make you do the math or just, sorry, if you can hear my phone. And, very often I would get removed from the class and I would get to go talk to this therapist for a period of time. And the it took them some time to figure out that on top of all of this, I was incredibly dyslexic. So it wasn't that I was just too traumatized or too lazy to do the work. It was that I was... Dyslexic and had a learning disability on top of this thing. So it's it's just more and more upheaval in my world, more lack of control. I couldn't control my learning disability. I couldn't control uh, my environment at home. I couldn't. And so I started manifesting ways to control situations. One thing I could control, and I've mentioned it in other episodes, is I could control when I went to the bathroom. The bathroom became like my safe space because of this. I would go and hide in the bathroom specifically during math class because it was just easier. It was easier than having to sit in this class and feel humiliated and stupid and emotionally exhausted and then have a bunch of kids giggle at you. I remember. You know, it's weird. I remember in weird spurts and chunks, but what I mostly remember is no one wanted to accept that I was just sad and didn't feel good. That seemed like a yada yada thing. You know, put all your feelings in this box and close the box. Look, you're all better now. And except I wasn't, it wasn't working. So all these solutions that the adults were giving me weren't actually making the bad feelings go away. Now, when I feel like the more we snowball through grade school, I mean, I could just fill you with a bunch of extra information that is really just me recounting the hundreds of things that were not working out in my life specifically centered around like not being able to read or write or do math well um in fact to a point where later in life i used to tell people i was illiterate so that i didn't have to worry about the reading or writing thing at all it had gotten so out of hand and i remember shame started coming into the picture Eventually, through school, this miraculous thing happened where they started. They changed it so that you couldn't be held back without your parents' permission. It was really something they were trying to move away from as far as holding children back in school. And one of the things that started happening in this tiny school I went to that didn't have a lot of resources is they took me and a couple other kids to the special ed learning room. And those of you from, you know, the elder millennials and definitely the Gen Xers out there. And as you go back, you recognize that term, the special ed room. And it was short for special education, but it became a slur among kids like you're a special ed kid. And this special ed room was a room where they removed you from the main math class or the main reading class that everyone participated in. And you went to this other room, presumably to learn math a different way, except they didn't have a different way to teach math yet. So mostly I just played Oregon Trail for a long time. Uh, got real good at it. If you know what game I'm talking about then what's up to you. But it didn't it didn't help progress anything. There was I now that I'm thinking about it, I reached this point in grade school and even thinking about it now, I still to this day have moments where I feel like I am stuck in that space of just not being smart enough, not being comfortable, not knowing how to f- work through And respond to other people. And it seemed like the older I got, the messier it got. And you know, we're all told, and especially when something tragic happens to a child, one of the favorite things for adults to tell you is you'll get it when you're older. You'll understand when you're older, right? You'll get it when you're older. I can't explain it to you now. You'll get you'll understand when you're older. Except No one, I was getting older and I wasn't understanding anymore. People had all kinds of answers as to why a parent might die. God has a plan. God won't put you through anything you can't handle. What doesn't kill us makes us stronger, on and on. But none of these answers helped me feel better. And I feel like everyone delivered them in a way where it was supposed to, like they were expecting, I'm going to say this and it's going to be better and you're going to be better. Except I wasn't. And as time got on, I got more skittish and teachers got less patient. They didn't know what to do with me. And to be perfectly honest, I think that's on them. We need to work harder on our education system. We need to work harder understanding the psyche of children and maybe have a couple different methods of math that they can learn. I mean, recently I was looking at the way they're teaching math to kids now and I still don't understand it. I lay awake, not at night during the day because I work third shift and I sleep during the day, But I lay awake, worried about the day I'm going to have to help my kid with, you know, big, bad math homework. And I could barely figure out math in grade school. And not only could I barely figure out math in grade school, but they had started to give up on me. I was just this emotional, skittish kid that no one could get through to. The more they corrected, I remember piles of teachers trying to work through reading and writing with me. And really what I felt like it just became is three or four teachers having to work on the stupid kid who couldn't figure out which there was the right there to write in a sentence. Why do we have so many ways of spelling there anyway? If you read it out loud, can't you tell through context which one I mean? Why? Why? And at one point, I had a moment where I looked at a teacher and I felt so proud of myself. I said, yeah, I'm a bad speller, but I think I'm pretty good at avoiding some of the words I'm bad at spelling. And the look on their face was so plainly, you're fucking right. It was so obviously a look of, no, you don't, you a bad speller. And I was crushed immediately. I wanted in that small moment, I wanted a little bit of value, validation or a little bit of that's really smart. That's really good. That's a g- good technique when you don't know what else to do. And instead it was just pointed out to me that if I was doing that, I wasn't even doing that well. <laughs> it's just big fat time of moving from what was very possibly the better school In the beginning, looking back on it now, because I didn't know how to articulate that I was feeling bad just because of my own environment and my own feelings, I said that the school was making me feel bad. And so I got removed from what was very possibly the better funded, more teacher's school. And as a child, I had been the catalyst of this event, this change. And I had done it very much on purpose. And it backfired. It backfired so atrociously, guys. And I don't know what I, I look at. My son, man, I have a son, and he like lied to me about whether he ate cereal or not that morning a couple days ago. And it was all I could do not to have... A full-on episode meltdown. Not, like a full-on, why would you lie to me? And honestly, I probably didn't handle it the best way. I accused another adult of maybe showing him that lying was okay. And you should never do that with a child. And more, I couldn't figure out why he felt the need to lie about what seemed like such a simple thing... I've learned why I lie about things and why I lied about things as a child was not knowing how to articulate what I was exactly feeling. And much later, it manifested in lying about really weird things, Um, whether or not I was knew the time That was a long pause there. Sorry. And I like, I couldn't, one of the things I remember my mom saying is I wouldn't ask you the time unless I had a watch on me to double check whether or not it was true. But I had come up with this method as a form of control, this telling, learning to tell people what they want to hear due to their reactions. But I was terrified when my child gave me this mundane, seems not very important, passive lie because maybe I was immediately scared that of knowing why I used to do that. Maybe I was hurt. I don't know, but it was a bad parenting response. And I think it was very much in direct connection to behaviors as a child. And I immediately assumed it must be the same behavior. Now, I got to say... Neither of my kids' parents have died, and he hasn't had a huge catastrophic event, I think. More on that later, he's had some uncomfortable events. And it was probably very much that he just wanted to say he had breakfast when really he ate a chocolate bar, and he probably knew that he shouldn't have done that. But, in, I mean, in all honesty, I wasn't even going to be mad about it. I was more... Immediately terrified at this concept that I had somehow passed on this habit of not knowing how to articulate feelings and therefore lying about situations because of not knowing how to articulate feelings. And maybe it was that. Maybe it was because he didn't know how to tell me, well, mom, you didn't go by freaking milk, there was no way for me to make breakfast for myself this morning because all the little things that I make for myself were not available to me. And that's on me as the parent. And that's a lot to communicate as a child. I don't know, man. It's some weird shit. But I do know that looking back on it, I'm going to reiterate it, reiterate it, restate it. I don't know. I'm going to say it again. In response to not knowing how to communicate what I was going through, I communicated the wrong thing. I communicated that the environment around me, i.e. the school I was put into was bad and making me uncomfortable. And so my parent did the only thing in her control, which was to remove me from that school and put me into another school That, in my opinion, maybe ended up being the less good school. Um, The first school was bigger and better funded and had more students and more teachers and more things at its disposal. The second school was much smaller from a less funded town with less teachers, less resources, less experience with things like students with dyslexia and trauma. And because of that, I had... Thrust myself into this environment that was not going to be productive to me. And, like, fuck man, did I fuck myself on that one? Like, I really screwed myself, guys. Not even, not like again, and I think I've said it in other episodes where sometimes I don't even know what I was expecting as a result. But it wasn't what I got. <laughs> And isn't that always the fucking case? I expected I did something with the hopes of a result that I didn't actually have in mind. And because of that, I just got a chaotic result. Fucking, fucking kids, I guess. But mostly fucking traumatized kids, man. We're we're weird. We do weird shit when we're traumatized. I don't know. I hope you have a wonderful day. If you're listening to this in the morning... And I hope you have a wonderful night if you're listening to it at night. And either way, um, be kind to yourself and someone else today. Bye. Thanks for being here.